objective, so I've always been um, an active person, fit person, and always be mindful of what I eat. So now it's a case of bringing my personal life and my professional life into one sort of overarching sort of um, perspective and value system. So I live the way I, I sort of, um, I work and I, I, I live and eat the way I sort of um, equally have created a brand. Hi everyone, welcome to Now Boarding, a new travel podcast by me, Payal Nair. This show aims at creating awareness about ecotourism, sustainable tourism, responsible travel and a lot more. We will cover stories and journeys of people who are ecotourism specialists and those who are leaders in their field. We will also be talking to people who have had unique travel experiences, remarkable conceptual places to stay, unexplored cultures and ancient histories of various towns and cities around the world. Join me in this journey of knowing more about travel. Get inspired to see the world and discover your inner self. Hi everyone, Um, welcome to another Now Boarding episode. Um, Today I'm in conversation with Xian Ru Zhao. Xian Ru is the founder and president of Commit to Green um, and also the winner of the American Package Design Award for Sustainable Packaging in 2017. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today, Xian Ru. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, um, Xian, let's, um, you know, just a little background on you would be interesting uh, for my listeners. Um, so are you, uh, which, I mean, wh- which part of the world are you originally from? And were you born in the US or you moved here with your family? So just a little background in you before we do a deep dive into commit to absolutely um so i was actually born in taiwan um i moved to the states when i was about two years old with my family i actually grew up in tennessee down south (laughs) that's pretty much where um i went to school um i went to college in georgia and then i ended up moving to new york city um about a decade ago and have been in New York City ever since. Okay so um what kind of I mean what is your educational background Uh, and then uh what led you to set up Commit to Green? Um is there anything else that you were doing in the sustainability space prior to that or is this your first uh venture? First venture in the space of sustainability, um, but to go backwards to your question, um, my major was actually graphic design. So for me, um, I studied um, design, wanted to be in the creative space. Um, I initially came to New York um, to want to work in the editorial world. (laughs) And um, that was a big eye opener. And I ended up freelancing as a graphic designer for many years and um, I ended up freelancing for a lady and that experience sort of led me into sort of my first venture um, as an entrepreneur uh, designing paper goods and products and then eventually from that I went into uh, launching another company that was a pet apparel and accessories. And then I did women's accessory, and then it led me down the path of 
where I am basically today, which is commit to green. Um, and I know it sounds varied, <laughs> but <laughs> I am really focused around um, being able to develop products that I am very interested in um, and how I might be able to disrupt that space based on the types of products that I'm launching and where it actually fits in. Um, so I think around 2013, 2014, I really started to think about the types of products that were out on the market space. Um, I was really focused around, you know, recycling what that looks like, you know, my career as a product designer and what it was that I wanted to sort of leave behind. Um, and so at that point, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, I guess a career move and a change for me to really think outside the box a little bit to see where I really wanted to be, um, where I really wanted to sort of fit in a sense. And at that point, I recognized that I really wanted to try to find um, better materials for products. I wanted to see if that, that particular material could be recycled in a certain manner and then actually come back as another uh, byproduct in a sense. And so um, through kind of all the twists and turns and research and development, um, I actually came across um, compostable packaging. And um, it's kind of where one thing led to the another and this is kind of where I am today. Okay, so um, so yeah, I guess as a product designer, um, it, you know, and, and it, like you mentioned, you were doing accessories for women and, you know, dappling with different kinds of products um, till eventually you had a think and you probably felt like you needed to uh, give back. And that's when you experimented and came up with um, uh, packaging. So um, yes. what uh, kind of, okay, so now maybe, uh, we could break it down into what kind of packaging um, and then uh, what is the process and then the third, I, I guess it would eventually lead to them. How do you, how does the product go out into the market? So who I, you know, what kind of clients do you have? So I've just mm -hmm. broken it up into three. So I'll just let you talk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So I started off with um, designing a compostable sort of like shopping slash takeout bag. And the reason I started out with that product is because um, my family has been in the restaurant industry for um, a very long time. And so my parents are, rest are restaurateurs. Um, and so being in that particular space and growing up in that particular space, um, I was very familiar with the types of products um, that people were sort of or actually businesses were using um, to facilitate uh, to their customers in a sense. So at that point in time, um, I thought if it was one product that I could start with that was uh, a little bit more familiar, I thought maybe I could find a better way to make a, um, basically a takeout bag. And so instead of a plastic takeout bag, you know, could we look at other sort of like, um, look at better materials. And so at that point, that's when I started to do more research around composting, um, the type of plant-based resin that the product was ended up being made from. And so our bags are made from uh, plant and corn starch. And, um, you know, what started off as just one, you know, shopping bag, takeout bag, 
ended up um, expanding into produce bags. Um, we do compostable trash liners, um, everything from three gallon kitchen compost bin liners all the way up to 64 gallon um, liners for toters. I would say that um, we have a span of, you know, a lot of different types of, of users in a sense. Our customers are either corporations, we have schools, we have restaurants, we have cafes. Um, it's really varied. And I would say that the two things that are consistent and the drive, drivers of our business is basically, you know, do these customers have a um, uh, sustainability initiative to A, you know, reduce single use plastic usage. Um, and B, the other piece of it is that because of our liners, um, most of our customers use our liners to actually recycle their food waste. Yeah, yeah. So um, how did I mean, was it hard to because, you know, there's a mindset, right? And people have been <laughs> traditionally doing uh, plastic for years and years and years. It's like, no one really um, thought that there could have been another way. And I know that a lot of other a lot of countries are now introducing um, uh, biodegradable um, you know, trash liners and um, also paper bags um, for takeouts and things like that. So was it hard for you to reach out and, um, you know, change the mindset of uh, the people that kind of uh, you reached out to or was it easy? Because uh, people are already starting to think in that direction on how... Mm -hmm. um, you know, to save the environment and to reduce landfill waste. So was it something that you really had to work on or, or people were um, open to this? I think that when I initially had the idea um, and, you know, it, it was probably a good 14 to 16 months before I actually started to think through the development what would it look like? How is I going to manufacture it? You know? Right. And so I already did a, a lot of the homework in regards to, you know, are there plastic bags, you know, plastic bag bans and laws and initiatives happening um, right now in the States, which cities, and I guess in particular in New York city, because at that point in time, we had already started a pilot project for residential curbside pickup for organics. So I felt like within the research stage, I was at least coming across, um, positives, right? Things that were happening um, that I could start to see that was going to sort of eventually, I'm not going to say take off, but it was already set to the point where these were discussions, you know, these were things that were happening and they were pilot projects. Yeah. So I felt like I was at least in the right um, mindset. And then as I was developing and I was always trying to make sure that my part was in this project is like it's it's a bag and it's a trash liner and everything but but for me from a design standpoint it didn't necessarily have to look like it you know so mm -hmm. it was always um what is it that I consider my secret sauce in a sense and that what is the value add of that particular bag compared yeah. so, to my yeah. competitors yeah so what would make what, what's the USP and what would make it different and more attractive yes yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, at that point in time, when I was looking at my competitors and trying to decipher how we would fit and, and uh, be a, I don't want to say a disruptor in the space, but it, how would we be unique? 
and I just felt like, you know, I would take my design, um, sort of like my design background, um, create educational infographics. And instead of just splashing a commit to green logo on a bag, <laughs> I thought yeah. that we had a real opportunity to create that educational infographic that when it was handed to the end user, hopefully they would take a look at that and, and recognize that it was, you know, it was different, you know, that there's something unique about it and then actually read it. And then at that point in time, you had the ability either like take notice, you know, file it away for future reference, or you would take notice and you would actually want to proceed and actually investigate it a little bit. Yeah. So to me, that was a big part of being in this space, not exactly knowing how we were going to disrupt it, but at the fact that we at least got people to look at it. And so I would say, luckily, it was just honestly identifying the types of customers that we thought would be a good fit. Um, and then just honestly, cold calling, <laughs> doing a lot of sampling, you know, talking to people, having really in-depth conversations about what's happening, um, what the problem areas were, were the difficulties that still exist, and just trying to craft and, and design products that kind of fit into where the market was, yeah. but would eventually be. And so I think that's kind of how, you know, what happened in the, from 2016 to 2019, I'm extremely proud of, you know, it's a super yeah. small startup company and there was a lot of um, initiative, but also a lot of um, growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you started uh, in New York, and how yeah. how many other states or cities have you actually been able to get into with your products? So, I would say um, New York was definitely the starting point, um, but early on. I had already decided that we were going to sell to both um, markets, which is basically B2B and B2C. Okay. And so um, because we were able to uh, use the Amazon platform, um, we had, we were selling things from our website. Um, it was a lot easier to kind of break through and try to discover both industries at the same time, as opposed yeah. to starting with one, um, growing it and doing the other. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I think it yeah. was just based on what I thought was best and how, how fast I wanted to be able to understand who our users were. Yeah. Um, and so also, I think, people, and you know, preferences as well, because there are half yes. people who prefer e-commerce and, you know, it's so much easier to just order online and have it delivered to them rather than having to actually go in and, um, and buy a product physically, which after, you know, 2020, I think anyways, has become uh, the way of life for a lot more people than it was earlier. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sorry, I interrupted you. So then, um, oh, no, 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 I was just going to say that, you know, because of that, um, online sort of like capabilities, you know, we were able to be able to expand outside of New York um, very quickly. So I would say a lot of our customers, at least online from an individual or family standpoint, you know, they come from the West Coast. Mm. Um, we have a lot of people, you know, um, in the Midwest. Um, we opened up, you know, our, our, our relationships with distributors. So with distributors, we were able to get into like Maryland with other businesses. And so as things kind of crop up and you have plastic bag bans that are happening, you know, throughout the US, yeah. <laughs> that really is, 
um, an opportunity for us to be able to expand into other markets, which is why this, this sort of environment is so exciting today versus what it, what, what it looked like back in 2016. Um, but 2016, when you talked about compostable packaging and organic recycling, you had to you know, really put forth some energy and explaining what you were doing. Today, when I talk about, oh, you know, we design and manufacture compostable bags, I mean, I very rarely have to explain that process at all to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and have you gone international or not yet? I haven't gone international, but that is really the goal for 2023. <laughs> okay. it's, I think that we would we would have been a little bit farther along had the pandemic not happened, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It, we were able to sort of take a pause and really look at the organization as a whole, you know, add some interesting new services that we're trying to launch this year that I'm really excited about. And I think that the growth opportunity is there. And so I feel like timing is everything. Yeah, that's true. So a little bit about the manufacturing of the bags. Um, mm -hmm. What is the process for that, and uh, where where does it actually happen? So today we are actually manufacturing our bags out of India. When I first started out, um, we were manufacturing a majority of our products out of China. Okay. And so um, I am not a material science person at all. So I was I was dependent on the right factories that we were building our relationship with in order to help guide me, not just from a material standpoint, um, but also the types of products that we were basically trying to launch. Right. Um, so it, it, I'm not gonna say it was easy. <laughs> Having to do things across the world is not easy, um, especially when you have never manufactured to that volume before like it's yeah. like I can't just buy 50 bags you know we're talking about hundreds and thousands of bags per style so it was one of those things where I had to just really make sure that who it was I was sort of working with from a district uh, from a manufacturing standpoint was was somebody that I could really um, rely on and kind of guide us in the right direction so that was the best part okay. so uh, during the pandemic it just started to become a little bit harder just because a lot of the uh, facilities were closing down because of COVID. Um, logistical, you know, problems were happening and being a small st startup with that type of um, container pricing <laughs> that was happening. Um, there was just no way that we could even be a part of, you know, continuing to bring in products. So that's when I kind of took a bit of a pause and decided to revisit and re we kind of review other countries where we could be making this type of product. And so that's how I ended up being able to find um, our factory in, in, in India. And that's kind of where we've been able to bring in our first 20 foot container um, probably like two and a half weeks ago. Wow. So it's, 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 it's your first um, sort of container coming in from India. First one in literally almost two years. <laughs> I can't tell you how exciting it was <laughs> to know yeah. that it was coming across the waters. <laughs> <laughs> and you, but you also have to, you know, because it's so far away, it's remote. Um, uh, you also have to ensure um, that the products have, um, you know, the same love, the same 
um, consistency, the same, yes. you know, so that I think is, is very, very important. Um, so how do you ensure that? I, I think the first important factor is the relationship that you're building with the factory oh. and the executive level yeah. <laughs> that you are making sure understand the concept, understand the why in, in this process, right? Like, I just don't want to be another compostable bag company. There's like a, a big vision of what we're trying to head towards. Um, so I think that a lot of that sort of handholding and a lot of that understanding amongst each other is like, extremely important in my opinion. And, and again, you know, switching from having manufactured in China for three years and then having to pick up and then find a whole new factory is, is difficult. You know, you've already built your relationships. You've had products that have done well, the performance is there, you know, like the pricing. Um, but there were way too many obstacles moving forward in China for me to continue um, to, to try to like, you know, rebuild my company, especially after, you know, COVID and everything. So I would say that first and foremost, it was a relationship that was set forth um, between us. And then from that, there was a lot of sampling. There was a lot of pictures. You know, I can't just pick up and go to India and, you know, spend, you know, three weeks with a, with a factory. Yeah. So a lot of that had to be honestly done through um, video and, and pictures and sampling. And so once I kind of felt that we were on the path of being able to develop something stellar, um, then that was where the comfort felt a little bit more, where I could let go a little bit let them, you know, produce the products. Um, but, you know, every step of the way is like, is a little bit of anxiety, you know, yeah. you've got it on the boat, right? You've got it, you've got the container, like you're, you're bringing in 1900 cartons. Now, you know, this is a large, I think a large volume of bags that you hope and so, you and, still have and, an audience for. <laughs> yeah, and the bags are not all the same design. They are different designs, right? Or they're all, so, or this consignment was all the same. They were slightly different, meaning they were, we have, different styles for different types of bags, meaning our produce bag has a design, our uh, tea sack shopping bags have a design, but all our liners have the same design. But the okay. one thing that we ended up changing and making it a little bit different was that we added um, a QR code on every single product so that we could then tie in our, our tech with the product side of it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's clever. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, I, I'm excited for you. <laughs> the fact that you thank you <laughs> two and a half weeks ago, you know, after two years or three years, got um, your first a lot and the first consignment, and I'm hoping that you know it it continues with um, the current manufacturing uh, unit that you've tied up with, um, mm -hmm. and so what what are some of the, you know, because it would be interesting for you to share uh, with my listeners and with me um, some, you know, like usage of plastic and what it actually does to the environment. If you have, uh, because a lot of people are aware that 
plastic is not something that you should use, but then it's just so easily accessible. Um, mm -hmm. and it's probably cheaper as well that people just go ahead and, and just use uh, plastic bags or plastic, um, uh, um, you know, water bottles or whatever it may be. So um, just, you know, for, for the listeners to actually get an idea as to how bad it is for the environment uh, for, from your experience and your expertise, because you've done so much research on it. Um, what are some of your thoughts on that? I think for me, especially with like the plastic bags, um, you know, surprising enough because of the petroleum that's, you know, and the, um, the situation that's happening right now with, yeah. you know, Ukraine and everything, the plastic and the petroleum industry is increasing. So what used to be um, a lot less, meaning pennies, <laughs> really isn't like that anymore. You know, a lot of things have changed, honestly, within the past couple of months. So it's not toe-to-toe. -to, -toe. Um, to me, I think the biggest thing about plastic is that, you know, it's, it's, it's microplastics. You know, there's so many articles right now that is basically saying that, you know, we as humans have some part of uh, um, of microplastics within our own bodies right now in our bloodstream. And so I don't think people are really thinking through all of this when they, um, you know, take 15 plastic produce bags and they put one banana or two onions in something. And then, you know, do they, do they really reuse that plastic bag or are they just tossing it in trash and then it ends up being in the landfill, um, being buried for, you know, a gazillion years. So I think for me, you know, when you really see the bigger picture in all of this, um, to me, it's about wanting to just make sure that the choices that you're individually making, um, you're making because you have full knowledge of, of why you're picking one versus the other, you know? And so for me, a compostable bag is made from a plant-based material when you put it in the right compost environment, it, you know, biodegrades in about 180 days and comes back as sort of nutritious soil, you know, that's yeah. another byproduct that you could use for, you know, your plants, your garden, whatever it is. And then the phase two of a lot of this stuff that's happening right now, is basically your organic waste can actually um, be converted into biomass if you put it through the right, you know, digester. Yeah. So that then yeah. becomes you know, waste to energy. And so I, I feel like a lot of these conversations are there, but they're not, they're not sort of put out in a way that it's easily digestible. <laughs> so then because of that, people just tend to just do the same thing over and over and over again, because it's easily available to them. You know, it's right there. You can pick it up at a grocery store. You can grab as many bags as you want to. Yeah, and, it's I think that, uh, and it's cheaper as well. Right. So yes, it's, yeah. I mean, it's cheaper for the grocery store. It's cheaper yeah. for target. Right. I mean, um, but I think that I do believe a hundred percent that things are changing hmm. and that's the most exciting part is that people are really starting to want to know what's happening and 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 is that brand sustainable and if they are or what is it that they're doing that makes their company sustainable yeah so to me that's where we get to really thrive because yes the company is called commit to green 
but we're really trying to build out a bit of a, a lifestyle ecosystem that isn't just about, you know, producing and manufacturing and introducing better packaging. We also see an opportunity to add technology into this whole space so that we can build upon all these different um, sort of areas so that we can be really tackling the waste that we see that could be upcycled and turn into something else, you know? And so that's why this is a really exciting time. And I feel like there are phases in which we need to build the company. And now it's kind of like phase two, you know, commit to green 2.0. But, but to see our old customers be so loyal and come back and still want to buy our products and still want to do business with us, even though we haven't been (laughs) selling anything and have had back orders for, you know, almost a year that's very encouraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, So you mentioned uh, that your products are also available at schools. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there, I think, you know, to start, um, start changing the mindset of, um, you know, of everyone from such a young age um, would probably be um, a good way forward as well, you know, so that they are directly, um, you know, because um, the influences that they have from the adults who've for years been doing this, now, of course, um, they're thinking differently. But is there something um, that you... Um, when you sell your products to the schools, um, is there an education element to it as well in terms of um, talking to the students about why um, why your products or why use this kind of packaging versus plastic or or it's just purely the schools taking your products. So whether you do it or the schools do it, it's a way to encourage, um, you know, kids from a very, very young age to start thinking differently, right? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I think that a lot of the driving force, to be honest with you, has really been the individual schools itself. Now, I'm not saying, you know, like we found that, there were organics recycling initiatives within the cafeterias within certain districts, you know, and I, and I just bring this up, you know, cause we literally just um, shipped out an order for um, a North, North shore school in Highland park, Illinois district 112. And they have an initiative to recycle their food waste. And through that, they set up accordingly, you know, they have students who participate Um, and make sure that they are part of the solution and they are part of helping guide other students and their peers so that they're working um, to educate, you know, where is the trash going? What is being recycled? Did somebody put that waste in the wrong recycling bin? So I think that overall, a lot of the schools are, are stepping up and making sure that this is something that they want to teach back to their students, um, but also have that be part of their sustainability initiative within their own individual schools. They contact us because we have a product that helps um, helps them participate easier. You know, and so, so instead of sending all the food waste um, to, into black trash, black, tra- black 
plastic bags, yeah. they're sending all the food waste into a compostable trash liner, which then everything can be um, put into, you know, the commercial compost facility to be turned into compost. So what we do do is we do have sort of marketing, sort of marketing pages and, and educational sort of like graphics that we've created in-house that we send to them as sort of a support, you know, like, can you use these um, as posters within your cafeteria, within your school? Um, anything that we create from a visual standpoint yeah. is always online yeah. with what this space is about, yeah. what you can easily read and understand and print out if necessary, if you did not have, you know, a designer in-house or sustainability initiative uh, teacher or whatever that had to sort of like create this this whole, you know, create this whole uh, visual. So that is what we always try to do is, is create enough marketing material that we support and go along with our bags if they choose to use it. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, uh, participation of, um, you know, the students, I think is a good way. Uh, so they're involved and then they're mm -hmm. obviously able to understand it better rather than just being told about it. Um, and, you know, so at least here they're, they're experiencing it and then they are able to realize and see the difference. So, so yeah, so that's interesting, um, you know, that the schools and encouraging to hear that the schools are also introducing this um, as a part of, as an initiative. And like you mentioned, um, is also like a driving force. So um, I, I mean, it's an, an incredible um, how from, from designing products like women's accessories and uh, things like that, you've moved on to something so um, using your, your knowledge, your experience uh, in, in product design to, you know, actually try and make a difference um, through sustainable packaging, I think is, is very, very um, interesting. And also um, I think you will go far with it because um, as, as we've been discussing, the mindset seems to be changing. I know it's very slow, but at mm -hmm. least it's it's in the right direction. And that's what is so important. So, which is what my, my show now boarding is also uh, hoping to use um, as a platform and, you know, talk to different people like yourself and um, try and create this awareness. So, I mean, all the listeners who, who subscribe, follow my channel will be able to pick up uh, these very, very interesting stories and hopefully it will impact them in some way. And, you know, that's how, I guess, change happens. So we all have to be involved in this change and in, in whatever way we can. So, so yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's been wonderful talking to you, um, she and Rue, and I, I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much. I mean, I appreciate us just having this conversation and you being able to, you know, um, spread the word. <laughs> um, I think, you know, our, our tagline has always been everybody's actions make a difference. And I really do believe that. Yes. Um, 
and your platform as well, you know, with the melting pot is just another avenue for people to, to kind of see for themselves that you may not necessarily have to be a sustainability major or a material science or whatever it is. It's the drive, which is the drive is really, you know, are you interested in the space? You know, there's a lot of different startups. There's a lot of companies right now that I think are really um, doing some amazing things. And at the end of the day, to me, it's really about, you know, what is it that I want to be creating to be sort of, to be sort of left behind for somebody else, you know? And so it's, it's just as easy as that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it sounds easy, but I'm sure that <laughs> <laughs> there's a, clearly a lot of effort that's, that's, gone into it and will continue to go into it so again um, it's been really really nice talking to you and and I look forward to, I'm going to watch the space very closely um, <laughs> <laughs> and follow your story so um, thank you so much once again for being a part of my show absolutely thank you so much for having me Hope you enjoyed this episode of Now Boarding, a travel podcast. Check out other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And of course, don't forget to share your thoughts with us. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes only on Now Boarding, a travel podcast.